You're listening to the weekly podcast of Bethel Bible Church and Pastor Mark Kirkendall. We're so glad you've joined us today. And as always, you can find more information about the church at our website, BethelBible.com. You can find us on Facebook and even follow us on Twitter at Bethel Bible. Let's join Sunday service now. So my name is Mark Kirkendall. I'm one of the leaders here at the White House campus. And let me just say, it's great to be here once again this morning And we are in a series through 2 Timothy, so if you want to make your way to chapter 2, it's where we'll be this morning. So on October 29th, 1941, Winston Churchill stood before a group of graduating seniors of the Harrow School, and he said these words, never give in, never give in, never, 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 and nothing Great or small, large or petty, never give in, except to the convictions of honor and good sense. And 75 years later, we're still talking about these words. And what makes these words so powerful is actually what happened or has been happening for the 11 months before he ever stood before that group of young boys. The height of... Britain's troubles during World War II have been going on. From September the previous year until May 1941, German bombers have been attacking England, and they titled it the Blitz. Nearly 2,000 people were killed and wounded in London on the very first night of the Blitz. And this went on for 11 months. And in fact, on one stage, London was bombed every day and every night for 11 straight weeks. Day or night, sirens would go off and people would begin wondering, is a bomb about to fall through the sky? Day after day, you had to watch people you loved being carried off in stretchers, not knowing whether they were dead or alive. And so those words, never give in, mean something because of the suffering the sacrifice, and the endurance that had been taking place the whole year before. In fact, those words probably wouldn't have much meaning. We might not even be talking about them today if Britain had been experiencing peace and prosperity. And so this morning, we will hear a very similar message from the Apostle Paul. He's going to say this, never give up. The greater the endurance the greater the glory. Never give up. The greater the endurance, the greater the glory. And so if you were to take these 13 verses today, here's kind of what you would see. There are four challenges that we'll look through. The first one, he's going to challenge Timothy to live in the gospel. We'll talk about what he means by that. The second challenge is to pass on the gospel. Challenge three is to endure for the gospel. And challenge four will be remember the hero of the gospel. So all will be pointing to a truth of the greater the endurance, the greater the glory. So let's pick up with challenge number one to Timothy. So remember that Paul is in prison. He is writing. He knows he's probably not going to get out. He will be murdered. And he's writing to young Timothy back in Ephesus. He begins chapter 2 this way. You then, my child, be strengthened 
by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So chapter 1 concluded in verse 15, he tells us kind of the context of what is going on. That Timothy is leading this church and he's utterly discouraged. People are leaving in droves. There are false teachers that are coming in and teaching against Scripture. But also Timothy is there. Notice what he says in verse 15 of chapter 1. He says, you are aware, Timothy, that all who are in Asia turned away from me. They're leaving the church. They're abandoning the gospel. Even people that we never thought would do that. By jealous and Hermogenes. Even those were giving up. So Nero is wreaking havoc, making it hard for Christians to live. False teachers are coming in and leading people astray. Many that were following Jesus had turned away. And I think Timothy is on the verge of giving up. So Paul encourages Timothy to not give up, but to continue to live in the gospel. Because he says, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Jesus Christ. So notice what Timothy doesn't hear. He doesn't just hear, hey, be strong. Hey, just pull yourself up by your bootstraps and you know, put your big boy pants on. Because those words would not be helpful to Timothy. It's like this. If, if you're down, you're depressed, how helpful is it for somebody to come up and just say, hey, be happy. Or if you're anxious, don't worry. I mean, those are not helpful words at all. So Paul tells Timothy to be inwardly strengthened by the grace that doesn't come from himself. It comes from Jesus Christ. He says, look to Jesus for what you need. He says, to you, my child, be strengthened. Find that strength by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Meaning, look to him. So therefore, I'd love to ask us, where in your life are you having a difficult time not giving up? Where is that pressure in your life coming right now? Are you trying to do things, right things that you know to do, but it just seems like nothing gets better? And the harder you try to do right, the worse things become? Are you having trouble, maybe even right here at church, doing this thing that we call church, but you're beginning to wonder, man, is it really all worth it? Let's find a lot of other people that aren't trying to follow Jesus, and they seem much happier. Their guitars never quit. Their air conditioners always work. Maybe you've been serving for a while, and you find yourself weary, thinking, man, I'm just wasting my time. Well, I think Paul would tell us here the same thing he's telling Timothy, that, hey, never give up. Look to Jesus for what you need. So Paul writes this first challenge to Timothy to continue to live in the gospel, just like we saw last week. Rely on him for everything you need. And that's the first challenge that Paul continues with. But Paul knows that if Timothy gives up, this lone, young preacher, timid, shy in Ephesus, he knows if he gives up, it will be a, have a catastrophic impact on the gospel in that area. So Paul doesn't just stop there. He says, never give up. But challenge number two is in verse two. He says, and what have you heard from me in the presence of many witnesses? Entrust it, teach it to faithful men who will be able to teach 
others also. So Paul says, listen, I know it's hard. Timothy, I know it is hard. There are days that you're wanting to throw in the towel and give up. But he says, live in the gospel, rely on Jesus. And second, find some faithful people. Look around. I know they're leaving in droves. But there will always be a remnant. There will always be a faithful few. Take them and teach them. Teach them the truth that I taught you, that Jesus taught me, and help them to pass it on. So what Paul's doing, he's talking about this chain of truth. Paul's talking to Timothy to take what was given to you, now pass it on to other people. That Timothy needs to pass the gospel on to others. It's often said it this way. It's often said that we are one generation away from losing the gospel. Allow that to sink in again. That we are one generation away from losing the gospel. If the gospel is assumed in one generation, it will be neglected, ignored, and eventually abandoned in the next. If you don't believe it, just read through the Old Testament. One generation rose up and followed the next, neglected it. So I would ask us this, is that who passed the gospel on to you? Who, who linked you into that chain of truth? Do you have that person or those people that God used to pass that truth on to you, to link you into that chain of truth? But now who are you linking and who are you passing on that truth to? Because the greatest thing you could ever pass on to someone is the truth about Jesus. So he says, rely on him for everything you need, Timothy. Now find those faithful few that are there and make sure you pass on the gospel. But then challenge three, the biggest challenge of all. He says, endure for the gospel. Look at verse three. He says, share in suffering as a good soldier. And so what Timothy is going to hear, he's going to hear three word pictures. And Paul likes to use this mentality when he's talking about the Christian life of, of a soldier or war. And that's because it's not an easy life. That's because the enemy that even Adam referred to earlier, that Christians face, that Satan wants to do everything he can to derail God's plan of saving lost sinners. He wants to confuse the truth. And it only takes just a little bit. He wants to discourage God's people. So Paul knows that the Christian life, it's, it's serious, it's dangerous. And it's a battle for people's eternal souls. So he says it's like a soldier going into battle. And that's the first image. He says, endure for the gospel. And the first illustration is like a soldier. Look at verse 4, what he says. Think of this. Paul is sitting in prison. What is the one thing he's seeing day in and day out? It's soldiers. And this is what he notices about these Roman soldiers. For no soldier gets entangled with in civilian pursuits, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. So as he's watching these soldiers, two things that Paul notices about them. First of all, he notices how focused they are. He says they don't get entangled or enslaved in the civilian pursuits, meaning they know what their mission is, and they are not going to allow themselves to become distracted. And then I read this week in Time Magazine 
that our attention spans are now less than a goldfish. A goldfish has an attention span of nine seconds, and yours is only eight. I guess that includes me too. So we have the attention spans of less than a goldfish. So the enemy wants to distract you because dangerous things happen when you lose focus. Lives, marriages, reputations can be completely damaged when we lose focus. Paul says, Timothy, the thing I noticed about these soldiers is how focused they are. They don't chase after things that aren't important. But then he said this, I noticed something else. They have an unwavering obedience to their commanding officer. He says, since his aim, the soldier, is to please the one who enlisted him. That soldiers, they serve in the military. And I, I, I never did this, but I've talked to people. I've read different things. I have to listen to Clint talk about all the documentaries he watches. But this is the thing that I've noticed about soldiers. The ones that are the most effective are those that follow orders no matter the cost. And I think one of my all-time passages of the Old Testament is in 1 Samuel 14 where Jonathan is with his armor bearer. The enemy is up on top of the hill and Jonathan wakes up and he looks at his armor bearer and he says, come with me. They come out and they go up this garrison, which is kind of this ravine on uh, high banks on either side. And the enemy is up top and it's just the two of them. And the only thing they have to their advantage is the element of surprise. And he kind of stands, Jonathan says, Jonathan, what are we going to do? And he said, well, I'm going to yell up, hey guys, you ready for a fight? If they say yes, we're going to go up and fight. If no, we're going to wait for them to come down here. I'm thinking, that's not a real good plan there, Jonathan. But that armor bearer looks at Jonathan and says, I am with you heart and soul. That's what these soldiers that Paul is watching is their dedication to the one that enlisted them. And a follower of Jesus needs to be focused, first of all, on what's most important. But then aim to please Jesus above everyone else. And can you imagine how different our lives in the world would be if that was the focus of Christians? Hey, I'm going to remain focused. I'm going to keep the main thing the main thing. You know what? No matter what, I'm following Him. Heart and soul. So it says, first of all, Timothy, it's like a soldier. The next one, it's like an athlete. Look at verse 5. He says, an athlete is not crowned unless he completes according to the rules. And this illustration kind of has two main meanings because an ancient athlete would participate in the Olympiads, first of all, had to complete a 10-month uh, training period. In fact, you could not show up and just compete. You had to come up and swear an oath that you had done the 10 months of training. But then every event would then have its rules that would then need to be followed. So athletes, first of all, had to be someone that of someone of integrity, where they, they swear an oath, and they're going to honor that. You could believe them. But also, they're very disciplined. There's no shortcuts. You can't just show up one day and try to run, you know, 26.2 miles naked that they would do. And you had to be self-controlled. You had to follow the rules. So Paul tells Timothy, hey, you need to be like an athlete. 
Now, Paul's not talking about rule-keeping to earn salvation. He's talking about a desire of every believer to walk in line with God's Word. Do it with integrity. Do it disciplined. There are no shortcuts. And follow those rules. They're not there to cramp your style or be killjoys or burdens to you. He says his rules are good. They're like rules of a game, and they're for your benefit. You can't win if you don't follow them. Because think about Satan, that he wants to destroy God's message. And believe he can destroy God's message if he goes after the integrity of those that claim to follow Jesus. If he can discredit the people, he thinks he can discredit the message. So he says, be like a soldier. Remain focused and dedicated, following Jesus. Remain like that athlete, someone of integrity that works hard. They're disciplined. They're self-controlled. And then he says a farmer. Look at verse 6. He says it's the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Now, I don't know a lot, but there's three things I know about farming. Now, I don't know much. I know there's no shortcuts. I know that there's certain things that you have to do, and you know you can't just take an ear, an ear, a cob of corn, and put it in the ground, and all of a sudden there's something, there's this process. There's no shortcuts. I know it's hard work, and I know it's not glamorous, and it is not exciting at all. So Timothy is receiving this from Paul, and I believe there's things that he's saying about this farmer that you have to endure, and it will always be worth it. That there's no shortcuts. There are days where you're going to want things to happen faster than they are. There are days that you're going to want to give in. But he says, hang in there. And I believe he says the Christian life, it's also hard work like farming. Mainly because the Christian life, and get this, the Christian life is a call to die. Every day we are to die more and more to ourselves and our desires and our wants and the things of this world. That the Christian life is hard work. In fact, we had Discover Bethel this past Wednesday night. And when you get to talk about the church, it's so much fun, it's exciting. But the church is really where we should learn to kill our selfishness. That the church isn't about us. It is hard work. Because we want things our way. We are selfish beings. But the Christian life is a call to die. But then unlike the athlete, where everybody cheers, and the soldiers that everyone wants to come and shake their hand, farming isn't glamorous. It isn't exciting. But farming is about doing those things faithfully that you must do day in and day out that no one notices and you don't get credit for. Sometimes a Christian life is like that. It's not the things that get you noticed, and it's not those big wow moments. It's remaining faithful to the little things that you are called to do day in and day out that people may never notice. So he's writing to Timothy, and he says, Timothy, live in the gospel, rely on Jesus, then pass it on. Find those few people and pass on the truth to them. Don't let the gospel die with you, Timothy. And then he says, endure, like that dedicated soldier, a disciplined athlete, and that hardworking, sweaty farmer. 
But then challenge four is remember the hero. In verses 8 through 13, it's going to say, remember the hero of the gospel. Because he says it right there at the beginning of verse 8. Remember Jesus Christ. You fix your mind on him. Because he knows our attention spans are less than a goldfish. We're easily distracted. We, we lose focus. So the challenge is to remember him. To set your minds on the hero of the gospel. But then Paul gives what we need to remember about him. He says, the risen from the dead, the offspring of David. So why would Paul choose these words? There's meanings behind them. The first thing he wants us to see is to focus the one risen from the dead, that he is that suffering Savior, that Jesus suffered in your place, Timothy. Remember him, that he laid down his life for yours. But then the offspring of David, and think through that series that we just finished, that Paul is saying, remember the reigning king. Jesus is the fulfillment of all of God's promises of a Messiah from the line of David. So we need to remember, we need to think upon Jesus as the suffering Savior and the reigning king. I believe he's saying that the tomb is empty, but the throne is occupied. Remember the hero of the gospel. Then Paul tells Timothy that he's not alone. Think about how encouraging that might be. He's there, he's trying to do what he can in Ephesus. Everybody's leaving. They're trying to discredit him. Everywhere he goes, he's probably shunned that Timothy is ready to throw in the towel. And he turns the page and he reads, But Timothy, as I preached in my gospel, in verse 9, for which I am suffering, bound with chains of a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. He says, remember Jesus, but also remember me. That I'm suffering right along with you, Timothy. I might not be able to be with you right there in Ephesus as much as I wish I could. I'm united with you. We are in this together. And then there's the promise. Paul says, don't forget, Timothy. They might bind us up in chains. They might put us in prison. But they can never chain up God's word. That there is not a prison that can contain his truth. And so over and over again, Paul is saying to Timothy, Timothy, never give up. Never, never, never. Never give up because the greater the endurance, the greater the glory. And Paul is saying that no matter what you must endure, Timothy, it will always be worth it in the end. And Paul tells Timothy why he's able to endure. He's about to lay it out. This is how I am able to fulfill this. But think about what Paul has gone through. You can read it in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. For five times he received 39 lashes. Three times he was beaten with a rod. Stoned once. Three times he was shipwrecked, floating in the sea. In Damascus, they closed down the city to hunt for him. Constant danger from robbers. Sleepless nights. He's gone without food, water, and shelter. In fact, Paul is sitting in a prison, and he is cold, just wishing that someone could bring him a coat. False teachers. Disunity in the church. And I've been thinking, 
What would cause a person to endure all of that? Well, for one, I know they must believe in the person they're following. You're not going to endure that if you don't believe in them. You have to believe in the message. You have to believe in the message that he's trying to carry on. That The more you believe it, the more you'll endure. You have to believe the cause that you're fighting for. But I want you to notice Paul's reason. For what keeps him going, that leads him to endure suffering. And it's in verse 10. He says, therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Jesus Christ with eternal glory. Paul says, I'm doing all of this. I'm enduring all of this so that all of those that God calls will obtain the salvation that he has for them. Paul endures all of this. He never gives up so that the gospel will continue. Paul is saying again, never give up. The greater the endurance, the greater the glory. And the glory to him was more and more people hearing, believing, and living the gospel. That's what Paul was after. That's what kept him focused. That's what kept him dedicated. But then Paul closes this section the challenge of remembering the hero with a reminder of who we are in the hero. Look at verse 11. He says, this saying is trustworthy. And this was something that they would write and they would recite, often sing. He says, for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. And that's the echoes of Romans 6, our identity in Jesus. What is true of him is true of us. He died, so we died. He was raised, so we will be raised. He is loved, so we are loved. He was accepted, so we are accepted. And then in verse 12, if we endure, we will also reign with him. And Jesus is the ultimate example of that. You read it in Hebrews 12, where it says, Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, for who for the joy set before him he endured the cross, despising the shame. And is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured, who suffered for sinners, such hostility against him. So that you may not grow weary or faint hearted. So he's saying for those that endure for Christ's sake will reign with him. There is no crown without the thorns. That Christ has not called us to an easy life, but to a life of endurance, that suffering and hardship, they, they are a part of every Christian life. In fact, think about when Jesus was looking to call people to follow him. His sales pitch probably should have been, hey, follow me, and I'll make your wildest dreams come true. He could have looked at him and said, you know, follow me, and I'll make you healthy, wealthy, and wise. I'll give you the best life you've ever had. He could have said, follow me and life will be comfortable and easy and you'll never have to worry. But instead, he looks those people in the eye and he says, if you want to follow me, then you want to pick up that Roman torture device called a cross, then follow me. Meaning faithfulness to Jesus, it's costly. But there will be a glory coming that will be greater than anything that we ever have to endure. But then Paul gives a warning. If you deny him, he will deny you. 
And I think Paul is describing kind of what happened to Judas. He was distracted, chasing after the things of the world. He was willing to give it all up for 30 pieces of silver. But Paul looks at him and he says, if you deny him, he will deny you. But then he ends with a beautiful promise because that's not the last word. And in verse 13, he says, but if we are faithless, he remains faithful. For he cannot deny himself. That There are times where we will be unfaithful to Jesus. There'll be times where we treasure the things of the world more than him. But I think Paul's describing here what happens to Peter. But in the end, Peter's restored. In the end, Peter realizes that even in his unfaithfulness, Jesus never gave up on him. Because here's the truth of the scriptures. True children of God cannot become something other than children, even when they're disobedient and weak. That Christ cannot disown himself. And when you are in him, you are eternally secure. So this morning, I hope you can hear Paul say, never give up. The greater the endurance, the greater the glory. And there'll be moments in your walk with Christ where you're going to wonder, is it really worth it? If you haven't had them, you will. You may be even sitting here this morning ready to throw in the towel because the struggles seem too much. You may even begin to question if following Jesus is really worth it. Well, there is no glory without endurance. And you see it in simple things. One of my wife's favorite things is the family meal. To slave over a stove, to plan out the meal, to go to the grocery store, to go through all the hard work, and then to sit down and listen to your children share about their day and laugh. Endure, then glory. In academics, we got several here today that uh, just last week they've graduated. Think of all the things that you had to give up that you endured, then glory. I think one of the greatest things I love about Noah's Ark is going and watching kids repel or rock climb and they get stuck. And the kids cheering them on. Arms begin to shake, legs get tired, and they endure. But then you watch them go up or come down. There's glory. And then this last one, it's hard to almost share. Is It's even in sports. Where's little Reed? Where's Reed? He's here somewhere. There he is right here in the back. Little Reed, you can just stay right there. So Little Reed's been on my baseball team. Youngest kid on the team. Watched him come up to T-ball, and he came to every practice. Endured, endured, endured. Watched much bigger kids make it look easy. Even got hit by several balls. Tears were shed, but he got right back in there. And week after week, game after game. And he endured. And then that last game, he gets up. That ball come across. That bat hits that ball. And there I am standing on first base. Reed standing there with the biggest grin on his face. You endure, then glory. So as the greatest of those glories are, there's coming one for faithful believers that this world cannot hold. I believe the greatest of all glories will be able to stand before that suffering Savior, the reigning King, and hear, well done. Well done, my good and faithful servant. But as you walk this road to Christ, and suffering causes you to slip, 
and you begin to lose your footing, hold fast to the promises that Paul lists here. The promises that if we live with him, we will reign with him. And that he remains faithful even when our faith is not. That no matter what you or I must endure, it will always be worth it. Never give up. The greater the endurance, the greater the glory. Thanks again for listening to the podcast today. We hope that you were blessed and encouraged. And if you have any questions or comments, we want you to let us know. Simply send your thoughts to questions at BethelBible.com. Thanks for spending time with us and be sure to join us next week on the Bethel Bible Podcast.